episode 45 of the Never Ending Glory podcast. I'm your host, Luke Grilly, and uh, I'm actually not with my normal co-host, Jerry Burris, tonight. He is on daddy duty. Congratulations to Jerry on the birth of his boy, Benjamin. Um, so instead, I got old Feek Sean Z on with me tonight as my co-host. He's and, cleaning uh, up poop just like his weekly picks this week. <laughs> That's right, because I came out the gates firing. That you did, my friend. That you did. Yeah, Jerry Get is on. Uh, he is uh, giving us uh, a peek into daddyhood, saying that uh, 3.45 a.m. wake-ups is not out of the norm. And uh, to quote him, you live your life 15 minutes at a time. That's, so, that's I, the equivalent of um, of Dom Toretto living his life a quarter mile at a time. So winning is winning. Well there for winning with, uh, is winning. <laughs> Furious. Um, yeah, so again, congratulations to Jerry. Uh, he is the first offspring um, of the Never Ending Glory podcast, Benjamin. That is so. Um, we got league will... members, obviously, to listen to this. We've got other ones with with little ones, but uh, the first we we need to like his next one needs to be like an on air live birth. I like uh, that. He's gonna have to talk to to his wife. I, I don't think she's gonna be game with it, but maybe he can sneak a recorder in or something. I think we can make it happen. I mean, with the iPhones, I'm sure he'll have like some sort of Apple Watch. Maybe he could Epidural, use. Epidural, drugs. Yeah, we can kind of get around it. Yeah, she won't mind. She won't mind. Hey, Sean, we are getting ready to go into the fantasy football playoffs coming and up. And I know where I am. I'm in five leagues. I'm in the playoffs. I got three bye weeks, two Ooh. first-round matchups where I Ooh. believe I'm favored in, a partridge in a pear tree. I'm in. The, it's the season of giving, <laughs> and all I want is straight Ws. I like that. I uh, I'm looking good. I'm actually in the playoffs of four out of my seven leagues. I uh, was the second highest scoring team in one league, and unfortunately got screwed by the schedule and did not make it in. And then I lost on a tiebreaker last night. But I'm looking pretty good as well in our league. I uh, had a little bit of a slide to end the season. I'm backing into the playoffs, which is never good. But uh, otherwise, I, I'm I'm looking pretty solid moving forward. I, I unfortunately I don't have as many one seeds as you do, but. Um, I'm hoping because you dodged me because uh, old old Mocky who who will be on our our picks pod, he's drew me for week no. one of uh, of the playoffs and in, in fantasy. I was all set to to face you, gearing up, got my my, my shit talking ready, and uh, Brandon Marshall laid a dump on him last night, or more appropriately, Ryan Fitzpatrick and uh, Bryce Petty laid a dump on on Mark last night. Well, I don't think Bryce Petty laid a dump. It was more that Bryce Petty only has eyes for Robbie Anderson. I don't know if you watched that game or, last or, night. Or Bryce Petty's just Bryce Petty. That, <laughs> that it, too. It's like you can't expect someone to be outside of their norm. Like if you suck, you kind of suck. It's it, You can't just – you know, a tiger just can't change the stripes. Like a zebra just can't be, you know, a, a racehorse all of a sudden. Like that's still a zebra. Still another, sucks. Another poignant moment from the Never Ending Glory podcast. Hey, you can find us on Twitter at Glory Podcast, Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Never Ending Glory Podcast. Find us, like us, share us, review us, tell all your friends. Send us emails at negpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, we are featured on dynastyfootballwarehouse.com as well. And uh, I'm actually I'm I'm going Buckeye vodka and grapefruit seltzer tonight. I, I like the. So uh, I got the shirts here. I actually got a uh, 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 Haley from Buckeye vodka was over at the crib on Saturday, and um, the the fellas were downstairs and the ladies upstairs for a while, and uh, she brought a bottle over. So kudos to her. But uh, we were talking a little bit about more bars, particularly in Northeast Ohio. If you get a chance, ask for it. Uh, if Should. it's not there, and then certainly look for it. What I will say is, 
you know, it, it's, it's right up there with, with any of the premiums. Um, and actually it, it's, it's my go-to now. So once I get hooked on something, I'm a loyalist, I'm attached to, to Buckeye Vodka, Smucker's peanut butter, uh, among other things, uh, as well as, you know, all the other finer, finer things in the world. Oh, Sean, always, always the, the sophisticated type, always. Lays. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's all truffles. Oh. Uh, truffle butter, probably. Um, week 12 point pounders. Let's get into those. Better nut butter. <laughs> um, we got a couple Ravens on, on the list here. Joe Flacco uh, finally lighting it this up. This pains me, by the way. Like the Ravens, and I know it pains you because you guys are New Englanders. You yep. still hate the Ravens, too. Oh, yeah. And you're not enjoying what you're seeing from that team. If they make the playoffs, they've got a brutal schedule. If they make the playoffs, that is a team that is very, very dangerous. Oh, they are in a long-term bet option, by the way. They are 100% finding their, you know, getting their steam or getting steam right now. They're finding their way late in the season. Flacco's starting to chuck it. They're starting to get some solid run game from Kenneth Dixon and Terrence West. Uh, the receivers are healthy with Steve Smith, Rashad Perryman, and then obviously Mike Wallace on the side. And the other point pounder of this week is Dennis Pitta, who who has found a resurgence and scored for the first time since 2013 this week. Had nine catches for 90 yards and two touchdowns with a fumble lost, unfortunately. And in one of those aforementioned uh, leagues where I missed out due to the tiebreaker, I sat Dennis Pitta for Marquise Wilson. So that worked out really well. I could have used those 30-some-odd points I would have got from Pitta. Uh, to get into the playoffs, but that wasn't the case, and I'm on the outside looking in there. So Ravens, yeah, they're one of those teams, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit more on the Pick'em Pod, but they're one of these teams that if they make the playoffs, they could easily get to the Super Bowl. It's just one of those under-the-radar teams that isn't getting a lot of press this year, started off slow. You're right, they do have a tough schedule moving forward, but they are playing solid defense on both sides, or solid football on both sides of the ball right now. Um, and you know, what and the we thing talk- that you like about them is offensively for the playoffs, you have to find ways sometimes to get big plays. And they've already established the big plays through the season. And now they're starting to get some of the underneath stuff and even a little bit of a semblance of a running game. Yeah. Now, it, I don't know. They, they played a Miami team that was that was pretty damn awful. But Joe Flacco had it going to the tune of, what, 380-plus, 4-1, and one, yeah. um, and a target in pit that – caught some life hadn't caught touchdown in like over a year or even longer two years, than that, I believe. Two years yes two 2013 years. yeah yeah and uh and their defense is playing great too they're they're playing the patriots on monday night football coming up and we're going to talk about how i feel about tom brady or how we feel about tom brady moving forward uh in this during the playoffs the fantasy football playoffs and baltimore if you see them on your schedule if, with one of your studs you're scared because that defense is playing lights out right now Another guy playing lights out that is very near and dear to your heart, Sean, is David Johnson. I'll let you roll with this one. He's fantastic. I, he, it's, he just catches so many balls. If you're in a PPR league and for a running back, it, it's just pure, pure euphoria. Hmm. And now he's getting touchdowns, uh, either receiving or, or rushing, three out of the four. Um, the yards from scrimmage is there, 80-plus balls, 20 touchdowns. Uh, Luke, you made a comment. It's LT-type numbers. I think it actually, to me, it's maybe a little bit more Priest-Holmes. But, you know, back in the heyday, both yeah. of those guys were, you know, the upper echelon, Sean Alexander. You're getting that out of David Johnson. He's just so big. The, the thing that I personally like about him, and I liked him at the beginning of the year, is 
he hasn't shown the propensity to take a lot of big hits. Now, albeit he didn't have a tremendous body of work, but watching some of the preseason games, just kind of his size and speed right now, until he loses a step or two, um, this is production that's a little bit repeatable, uh, barring that you know no one goes low or you know pulls a Gronk on him or, or something along those lines. But if you got him in a keeper, uh, you, even if you're struggling this year with the rest of your team, the future is bright with him for at least the next couple of years. For sure. Um, last week went for 89 yards rushing with a touchdown, then had nine receptions for 91 yards and a touchdown. And as you mentioned, Sean, that's three out of four games where he's scored at least one rushing and one receiving touchdown, which is just absolute money for you and your fantasy team. He's on pace for the 16 games to go for 2,300 yards for scrimmage with 85 receptions and 20 touchdowns. And those numbers... Though that's the those are the best numbers that you'll see in fantasy football year in year out, and David Johnson has probably cemented himself as the number one overall pick next year. I think the only other player that you can make an argument for is Le'Veon Bell, and I think that David Johnson's a little bit safer just because we don't know if uh, Le'Veon's going to be puff puff pass in this. You, you, wait, you, you don't think Zeke is in the running there? Um, I, I, you know what? I, I don't, uh, and the, the reason why I don't think is, they've unleashed Zeke as far as pass catching yet. Like he, he, he's a really good receiver. Well, and that's, and that's my point I, right now with what we've seen from David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell, I don't think that you can take Zeke over those two considering that those two are far more involved in the passing game. I'm not saying that Zeke can't catch the ball, but right now they're, they're not using him that way. And it's kind of tough to say, well, next year they're going to open up the playbook for him a little bit more. Well, I don't I see. I think it becomes more of they'll take something away and then they'll find ways to get him that way. I yeah. actually think if you if you have a concern with David Johnson, it's not a David Johnson problem so much as who the hell is going to be taking snaps because another year with Carson Palmer, he's going to regress and get worse. And at some point, you still have to balance it by driving the ball downfield. And sure. they don't really do that right now. They're kind of getting by with some smoke and mirrors and, and him just going, you know, super on the world, uh, David Johnson. But I, I think that's the one concern you'd have from more of a long-term perspective is they got to get a signal caller that gives them a little bit more of a balance and not, not – Eight man and boxer guys. If they bring in a rookie quarterback, then obviously that's going to be regression from um, Carson Palmer. But if they bring in a solid veteran, I'm really not sure who's available other than a guy like Tony Romo, and I'm not sure his shelf life is much longer than Palmer's. But um, you know that's that's something we can definitely get into in the off season when we're doing the hypotheticals. But in the end, David Johnson's a beast. I was wrong on him. I took Todd Gurley in way too many leagues, and uh, I'm severely regretting it right now in the playoffs. Another guy I whiffed on, and I was targeting him later on in drafts, and I was targeting him like the second round in dynasty drafts, uh, rookie drafts, that is, is Jordan Howard, who has taken over officially. Well, he took over the role a while back, but he's had a few up and down games. But this game against San Francisco in pretty crappy weather, he dominated with a stat line of 32 rushes for 117 yards and three touchdowns. He wasn't involved in the passing game all that much but then again there really wasn't a passing game in the snow and sleet in chicago so uh, you got to be thrilled with the fact that they are that the rookie running back is shouldering the load especially with a rookie quarterback eric barkley um i'm sorry not rookie quarterback matt barkley young inexperienced quarterback uh jordan howard he he should have a nice 
uh, he, he's what 20 plus touch potential week in week out moving forward you think yeah, I, I, he's also one guy that if you watch him in, in maybe in preseason, you didn't kind of see the full picture. And then as you've seen him kind of go along in games, um, he started to pass the eye test probably after I think it was week five or six. And, and yeah. then he had a couple where he lulled a little. They didn't get him the ball. It, it was kind of some odd behavior things there. Some of it was Langford was coming back and they were still working him back in. May have disenfranchised him a bit. But I, when he gets a chance and you watch him, it's like, why isn't he just getting it all the time? Now, you have to manage some of the wear and tear. But, uh, yeah, I think it, if you've got him heading into the playoffs, you're you're quite happy. I've actually got him in in, in an ESPN league that I'm in, and uh, yeah, he's a nice compliment to Ezekiel Elliott. That, that's nice, yeah. You get, you're not, your RB1 with Zeke, and then you have your RB2 with Jordan Howard. I think that Jordan Howard is your standard prototypical RB2, going to get you – 12 to 13 points consistently and could break out for a big game like he did against San Francisco. Yeah, he's he's in that he's one of those guys that he helps you be a separator at a position. So if you're going RB2 to RB2, he he has the distinct possibility of being able to you end up plus there. Yep. And then you can afford to be giving a, a bad QB performance or or you know a poor tight end or a poor receiver and you can still, you know, be alive o- over the course of the whole matchup. Absolutely. Uh, you want to introduce this one too because you just your your intro to this to, uh, to this theme is just light years better than mine and Jerry. So I'll let you intro this one. Which one is this? Which one do you think it is? The poopy. The this guy <laughs> sucks. This guy sucks. I told you guys last week it was sink or swim with one Todd Gurley, and you know who sucks. Jeff Fisher, you suck, my friend. You don't know players' names, opponents. You can't get a challenge flag out. You have a stupid mustache, a punchable face, probably brown teeth, and you have no soul. You have no guts. You're a coward. You're a loser by trade. Uh, anybody that did their job even as media truck drivers can't be as mediocre as you are. You are pathetic. You suck. You ruined my one season, albeit I, I just am so great at everything else and drafting across the board. I was able to weather a Todd Gurley stink bomb through the year, but I have no excuses anymore. He's borderline not startable if you have other options. I got Mark Ingram and I got Theo Riddick. And if I have a flex play, a maybe a Tyler Boyd, I have to give significant consideration to a debate whether or not Gurley should even play my flex next week. Todd Gurley right now to me is a desperation start. If you literally have nobody else, then you roll with Todd Gurley just because he's going to have volume. And it's sad for me to say he's been my, he's been my muse all year. I've been standing on the rooftops yelling his name, but you know, I'm, I'm benching Todd Gurley in our league for Thomas Rawls. So I'm rolling with Thomas Rawls and Jeremy Hill next week in the week one of the playoffs. And another league, I'm benching him for Frank Gore, and Frank Gore has got a tough matchup against, um, forget who Indy's playing right now, but I know it's a tough run defense. And I'm rolling with... I think they got uh, Houston. Yes, right, they got Houston. So I'm rolling with Frank Gore against Houston, and I'm going with Lamar Miller against Indianapolis. Todd Gurley will be on my bench, and it's sad because... The one saving grace that we mentioned is he stayed healthy and he continues to get touches and he he doesn't get hurt. But 
they they said it perfectly on the C, on the Fox broadcast this weekend when against the Patriots that when they line up in shotgun they're passing the ball when they're lining up under center they're running the ball and then Benny Cunningham comes in on third down they are the least creative team in the NFL so defenses know when Todd Gurley's getting the ball it's but not is that the, hard. so it's second and one he doesn't he doesn't get the ball there he doesn't get the ball goal line situations they end up going three and out I, I don't know what the numbers show but I cannot imagine they that there are a team that has gone significantly more three and out than they have they yeah. never seem to have the ball and when they do get a first down they they seem to then do something stupid and get sacked it, I didn't watch the game so much as just caught all the snippets and and kind of the different cuts and stuff and and, and then broke down some of the the runs um, from the game and kind of sped up on NFL Network. It's it's just so obnoxious how this team. And the funny thing is, is I should have read into it when I saw that offensive coordinator dope on on Hard Knocks. I saw how like lackluster they barely showed game highlights, and then when you watch the game, you realize how vanilla they were. Everything they did in in they struggled to score in preseason games against basic vanilla defenses it should have been red flags another lesson learned write this down file it away for next august don't believe the hype todd Gurley is what is he draftable next year in redraft i mean i think you have to consider him if, if fisher comes back in the same coordinator with jared goff what do you where do you I, drafting todd Gurley? I, I got to say, he still has the elite talent where you have to – you can't touch him in the first round. But I think you can take him in the second round and hope that it pays off and that you can – He can, I, Is he better than Jeremy Hill? Yeah, oh, man. Um, no, he's not better than Jeremy Hill. He's got Hill. breakaway speed and Jeremy with, Hill With does. Bernard out next year or, or Bernard on limited snaps next year, yeah. if you're drafting – you're getting better value with Jeremy Hill in the third or fourth round than you are with Todd Gurley at the back end of the second. Yeah, no, I, I, and I, I hear that, that. That I'm sure Nick and Akron is loving this conversation. <laughs> so everybody gets the, all the, the avid listeners, you know, tweet at Nick and Akron. He's a big Todd Gurley fan. Huge Todd Gurley fan. Uh, we, I think Who's we've the exhausted this guy. We have, we have one more. This guy sucks. And it's another player we've talked about a bunch on the pod because uh, I felt that he was a great waiver wire ad. We got Colin Kaepernick, who uh, <laughs> one of five passing for four yards and six rushes for 20 yards before he got benched for one Blaine Gabbert. Chip Kelly came out and said that Kaepernick will start week 14. Um, you know, I, I honestly want to say that, yes, the numbers are putrid. And as you would say, Sean, they're they're poopy. But that weather was pretty brutal. I mean, both quarterbacks didn't complete a pass until after the fir- at the end of the first quarter, I think maybe into the second quarter. It just was not a good fantasy day all around. I think that um, I think Kaepernick will bounce back a little bit, but the the shine has wore off a little bit with that pretty pathetic performance. And it's pretty hilarious that the report came up that he would be voiding his contract before that game, and uh, I'm, I'm thinking he might want to rethink that after his future performance against Chicago. I, I I don't think Kaepernick's a Niner next year. No. I think he should be because I think that he's the type I, of quarterback he might, that he might be a Cleveland Brown next year. I, I, I got a bad feeling. Hugh's got a hard-on for him. I, I, he could end up in Cleveland, and 
this was a massive regression. This is a major red flag to me. He had actually made a lot of progress, but whether you have to play in bad weather a little bit here, like it's part of being a quarterback. And if he can only play in warm weather, he better, he, he can go beat out Burris's boy and, <laughs> and down in Houston. But it wasn't, that might be his only outlet at this point. You know, it wasn't just bad weather. It was, or just not cold weather. It was, it was, Pretty putrid conditions. It was just freezing rain, slow and sneet, slow snow and sleet. Uh, it's not like he's got that consistent receiver that's going to bail him out, or a great receiver is going to bail him out. His top options are Jeremy Curley and Vance McDonald. That, that's really nothing to really work with. So I don't think it's so much regression yet. Let's see how he finishes up the season. I still have faith in him being a solid starter for you if you're in a pinch at quarterback. But I do have to admit that I, I'm much lower on him this week than I was last week. Uh, I'll say this. If you're starting him in the playoffs this week, you, <laughs> it's a hope and a prayer. Yeah, yeah. Um, One all right. five for four yards. Come so, on. That's Matt so, Monner with the Little Leopards numbers. <laughs> Shout out to Matt Monner and Little Leopards. Um, I would love to see Matt Monner play football. Um, playoff preview. So, obviously, we're talking playoffs right now. In all leagues other than a 10-team league, you're probably in your playoffs. Week 12-team, 14-team, 16-team league. Week 14 is generally the beginning of the playoffs. Week 10, unless you're doing maybe a two-week playoff this week, yeah, that usually starts week 15, but or it depends on how many teams are in the playoffs. But I want to talk about the, some of the top-tier players that have favorable matchups or have pretty bad matchups over the next few weeks, the mid-range players that have some really good matchups or bad matchups, as well as some sleepers who we think could help you out during the playoff run that might still be available on your waiver wire. And the first player that I want to talk about, and he, I think, is probably my favorite receiver, maybe player to have in fantasy right now, is Mike Evans, who has an absolute cake schedule for the next three weeks. Fantastic. In week 14, he's got the Saints, who are 27th against the pass. Week 15, he's at Dallas, who's 31st against the pass and will be playing in a dome stadium. And then week 16, he has the Saints again in New Orleans, so again in a dome, so weather will not be a factor unless week 14 has some tsunami-like weather in Tampa. Uh, so those are, I mean, 27th, 31st, and 27th against the pass. That's who Mike More Evans is going against. Importantly, they are rolling, and they yes. need to win. They need to get him the ball. Winston force-feeds him. He loves throwing to big targets. Mike Evans is, if he's got to be a top one or two. Yeah, I, I yeah. you can't put him outside too. I, I just you'd be doing a disservice as far as if you if you've got him, you're set up fantastically. I, I I could not see how you could argue that there is another player that is more valuable than Mike Evans moving forward in the playoffs. I mean, he's already been as you mentioned. AB is AB is right there. What I would say is AB is right there. Um, and yeah. I mean, we just. They just they can get ball the ball to him when he's double covered the way that he and Ben work, right? He and Ben Roethlisberger work, not Landry Jones. But <laughs> as those two work, shout out to Matt Berry. You're one A one A one B on that. But man, even though you saw Odell struggles this week, that Giants offense just it sucks. It's yeah. poopy. And and it the blows. other big time receiver, all of the three major adjectives. It gets three three stars from uh, from the old unit here. Um, it's just 
totally deplorable. I love Mike Evans so much so that I think you actually have to look at Tampa and say you have to almost love Cameron Brait as a result of it as well. Yeah, yeah because, absolutely. Because just those three defenses, even if they like clue to Mike Evans a little bit, he's still going to get his. I think his floor is maybe like six for 65. Like I, I don't see a scenario where unless they are rolling, I, they still have to get him the ball to move to, to move the chains. So mm-hmm. I, I just don't know how, how he doesn't like outperform any projections that, that may be out there. Yeah. Another receiver, one of the big-time receivers who we were both really high on going into last week is Julio Jones, and I still have faith in him, but you do have to be concerned with the turf toe injury that he suffered at the end of last week's game against the Chiefs. He couldn't play in the last drive, which was a pivotal drive and was ultimately ultimately the reason why Atlanta probably lost the game. Uh, but Julio Jones has a pretty solid schedule moving forward. He's got the Rams in Week 14 and the 49ers in Week 15. As long as he can stay healthy from that turf toe, He's also a great option. Another player who's a good option that's also an Atlanta Falcons, Devontae Freeman. We mentioned the Rams, poo-poo team, 19th best run defense. Then he has the 49ers who have 31st best run defense. And again, the 49ers game will be played at home. So he's in the zo- he's in the dome in Atlanta. That means it's a fast turf. They're going to get going. They're going to be moving fast on that. I love Devontae Freeman over the next three weeks, I think he's going to be a big part of fantasy football championships. Sean, what are your I, thoughts on it? I think you've got to keep an eye on Julio practicing the rest of the week. Maybe this is just me wishful thinking. I've got him in a dynasty. I've got a bye week in week 14. I'd love to see a sit here and then play him the following week. I know, Luke, that, that That's wouldn't selfish. That's selfish. work out too well for you. But <laughs> um, I think we got to think long-term, Julio, and I think you've got no. to think about week, week 15, not 14. That said, I, I think he tried and guts it out plays if he doesn't play this well this week then i think you really have to to target week 15 of gosh do we have any type of other options because if you can't get max julio you know you've got to maybe dip into the bench because you can you know playoffs you can ill afford to have a position that doesn't deliver because you know you'll be you'll be packing your bags right right yeah i'm I'm praying for julio magical recovery i mean he's always up He's always, he's always gutted it out before. I think he can do it again. Again, that is wishful thinking for me. But I really like Devontae Freeman. Uh, Tevin Coleman is back, which kind of takes a hit out of Freeman's touches. But Freeman still is the goal line back. He's the main go-to guy. He's going to get 20, 25 carries. If they go up big on the Rams of the 49ers, they'll be running the ball a lot to try to save their star receivers. Uh, I, I think Devontae I think Freeman. You're going to be. In good shape with Freeman and Coleman. Truth be told, when they play together, I feel like mm-hmm. Freeman's fresher. He's pushed a little bit. When he gets tired, the results aren't there. I, I like Freeman. I like Coleman as as kind of a flex, spot start type guy. Maybe an RB2 if you're really desperate, but you better have a nice team the rest of the way. Um, and overall, though, the, the Freeman's a real strong play the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Another great running back. But th- has- this next guy is the guy. Yeah, oh, this, yeah, this next guy might have. Other than those top three we talked about, this guy might be sitting at the at the RB four spot. Well, why don't you ride on him, Sean? Who is it? Hey, we got to go shady. Uh, first of all, he's got to, he's now. And, and who do the Bills have next week? Um, the Bills next week. Why don't you talk about week fifteen and sixteen? I'll tell you who the Bills got next well, 15, week. Fifteen is the Cleveland Browns and. I'll put it this way. If you're playing the Cleveland Browns 14, 15, or 16, you got a chance to put some point pounds up because that defense sucks. It awful. 
and they're going to pull out the kitchen sink and try and get it up and down and get some points on the board with RG3 coming back. You got a chance for your offense really to light it up, running, receiving, throwing, who knows, punt returners, anything and everything. You got a chance uh, with the going against the Cleveland Browns defense anytime, 14, 15, or 16. And then he's got the, the Dolphins in the 29th ranked defense week 16. So you, you can go into semis and finals with your probably your, your second or third best player, if you think about from a draft and when you may have taken him, and he's going to be giving you first-round results and output. Right. So you're set up well if you've got Shady in the backfield on your team. Got to survive this weekend. That's why I asked into week 14. But if you can get back that, look out. Yeah, week 14, he has the Steelers at home, which is good, but Steelers still a really tough run defense. Sixth overall, they've been able to stop the run. However, you know, Buffalo, their their offense is predicated around the run, so I really expect them to continue to get shady involved. But, like, yeah, like you said, Sean, week 15 and week 16, those are just – you see those numbers and your eyes light up. I'm expecting Shady to be anchoring a lot of my DFS, my my DraftKings or FanDuel teams in Week 15 and 16, uh, along with Mike Evans. Another guy we want to talk about, and he plays Thursday night, Derek Carr, who has had a bit of an up-and-down season. I will say I don't expect him to do a ton. again. I mean, the Chiefs' defense isn't great, but Justin Houston's back. He's getting nasty. They're playing at Arrowhead week 14 on a Thursday night. So we've always seen quarterbacks and offensive struggle just a bit on Thursday night games after the, the short, the quick turnaround. And again, going to a hostile atmosphere like Kansas city can be tough, but then he's going week 15 at San Diego, the 26th best, uh, 26 worst pass defense. And then the Colts were at 30th and they're playing the Colts at home. So I like that schedule for Derek Carr he he's kind of cooled off a little bit. I don't hear as much MVP talks I did earlier in the season, but from a fantasy standpoint, though I expect top four numbers in weeks 15 and week 16 for, for uh, Derek Carr. What are your thoughts? I don't like the Kansas city matchup at all. I, if the Raiders win that game, they're they're for real. I just, that, that's a kitchen sink from Kansas city. I like the matchup uh, Thursday night to boot. I, I think that's really, really difficult environment for him to put up good numbers if you can weather this week then it starts to really line up well but i'm dubious this week if you've got another option i think you have to give it some serious thought particularly if it's a good good matchup for that backup you may have yeah for sure and yeah that's why i said i mean i I really think we we are kind of we're not talking about justin houston enough either i mean he was absolutely dominant when on his first game back two weeks ago and he could definitely cause a ruckus uh, in week 14 on Thursday night, but okay, let's let's play. Uh, what would you What would you do? So this week, would you rather go with Derek Carr going against the Chiefs or Cam Newton at home versus the Chargers? So we're saying that the Chargers are pretty soft pass defense. It's Cam, yeah, Cam, yeah. Cam. As much as uh, you know, maybe he doesn't wear a tie again, but <laughs> you got to go Cam in that scenario. I, yeah. All right, um, so we talked about some of the players that we like, and now let's talk about some of the top-end players that could have could struggle in the uh, in the playoffs, the fancy football playoffs. The first guy I think we should talk about, and it's going to be really hard for you to sit him just because he's played so well this year, but I think it should be noted how tough of a playoff schedule he does have, is Aaron Rodgers. 
in week 14 and 16. In week 14, he has the Seahawks. Granted, it's at home. And then in week 16, at home against the Vikings. And the Vikings have just been a suffocating defense so far this year. Uh, I think both those those playoff matchups can be pretty tough for him. Uh, but fortunately, in week 15, it does get a little bit easier. The numbers, the numbers look good, but we know this defense isn't very good. In week 15, he's playing at Chicago. So barring weather, he should be able to put up pretty solid numbers. He put up uh, three touchdowns and 326 yards passing back in week seven against the Bears. But I think you do have to take into consideration both week 14 and week 16. What do you think, Sean? Yeah, I'm not as scared about week 14. I think Earl Thomas out. Seattle's still dinged up. The, that week 16 championship, you make it there, you have to still kind of ride with them. But I do not like his matchup against the Vikings. That team just kind of seems to give him fits. The Bears could be a little quirky. The, the solace that I would take with Seahawks and the Bears is Green Bay cannot move the ball unless Rodgers is throwing it 40-plus times. So what you're just basically doing is trying to just play. Of those 40 passes, two of those are going to be touchdowns, and you should be able to manage it. He throws a third, and now all of a sudden you're on the high end for QB performance for the week. So yeah. it, it, I think that's a fine, fair enough risk. Week 16, you could be that could be a 16-9 to type game. You know, and, and from a weather perspective and some of that time. Or is that in Minnesota? Is that in the uh, dome? That's in – no, that's at home in Green Bay. So even if it's in Minnesota, you've got the noise, you got the crowd, you got that challenge. So either way, it was kind of a little bit of a no-win. But you throw factor in weather, that, that could present some obstacles in and of itself. So right. I, I, I agree with you. I, I'd be very concerned. But at this point, you knew this going in um, – through the season. So you kind of have to just live with it, you know, as well as kind of this next guy we'll cover. Yeah. He's one of those players that you just got to ride or die with him. You drafted him early. I, I don't think that you found a, a much better option on the waiver wire. And the next player, very near and dear to my heart, Tom Brady, his playoff schedule sucks. And I'm playing against him in two leagues this week and knock on wood. I have a feeling against the Ravens on Monday night at home. I, I don't see him shredding the Ravens. I think it's going to be a pretty low-scoring game, and I, I really don't think that this is wishful thinking either. The Ravens are—they have suffocating defense, and then Week 15 they're playing at Denver, and obviously the Pats will not have Gronk. So, do you bench Tom Brady in Week 15? I have, so I have a bye next week, and my backup is Matt Ryan. Week 15, I think I'm starting Matt Ryan. Well, that's that's a pretty good luxury. That's a pretty that's a pretty good problem to have. Uh, I mean, if you don't have Matt Ryan, if you have a guy like uh, I don't want to say Jameis Winston because that's a pretty easy schedule, but if you have a backup like who's a good backup, uh, well, Jack you would have had to pretty much pair. You would have had to pair Brady all along all year, and you paired him more for the first three or four games. So well, you, know, you got Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins or Dak Prescott. Kirk Cousin, I think you you probably I think you start. Cousins or Prescott. I, what's Brady's ceiling in that game? A, even if they get up, you feel confident Denver's probably not going to be able to score or get a shootout like in years past. Right. It, can he get more than two touchdowns? Or will I don't he get so. more than two touchdowns? I don't think so because he's going to be missing Gronk, obviously. The 
defenders, the Denver defenders are going to lock down on Malcolm Mitchell, Julian Elliman, Chris Hogan. And we'll and talk. The other thing is, is I don't think New England's going to pull out all the stops either. So they're not going to some of their sub packages with backs and five wide and some of these other things. There, there's just kind of no need for them to do that against the Ravens or Denver. Now, if they were playing more for seeding and some of those things, but Going to Oakland, into Oakland, is that going to be that much of a concern for New England? I mean, I, you feel like they've got to be confident they can go in there and win. They, they're probably more concerned about these next two teams going into their environments, and it doesn't look like that's even in the realm of possibilities or, or capable of remotely happening. Yeah, Oakland definitely has that soft feel to them. You know, the, the mid-2000s Chargers, that they'll put up pretty good regular season numbers, but once the, the shit hits the fan – what are they going to be? Uh, I still think that after the Patriots last year didn't get home field advantage, and that was pretty much the reason why they didn't go to the Super Bowl, and, and Denver did instead, I think Belichick's absolutely playing for the one seed. Uh, and with with it being Denver and the Patriots struggling against Denver the past few years in the regular season, I think Belichick is out for blood this week, and he's going to do everything he can to get the win. I'm sorry, in two weeks, and that'll be against week 15 against the Broncos, and he'll do everything he can. So, But the thing is is that the Patriots have a running game this year, which is the first time in a long time, and Denver's run defense is not that great. So I actually expect that to be more of a LeGarrette Blunt ground-to-pound game, and and that is another reason why you're going to see Brady take a bit of a hit in his, uh, his fantasy production in week 15. Uh, the next two players I want to talk about, and this also affects their quarterback too, is T.Y. Hilton and Dante Moncrief. In week 14, they play the Texans, and then week 15, we mention uh, how good the Vikings' defense has been. That's who the Colts are traveling to, so they'll be playing in Minnesota. If you can get past week 14 and 15 with T.Y. With <laughs> Hilton or Moncrief, you have a You're dream matchup. You're in the matchup. finals. Yeah, well, yeah. not that, but you have a dream matchup with Oakland. Uh I love the idea of my wide receivers and quarterback going up against Oakland. We mentioned that they're just a soft team. Yeah, they're going to throw up, put up a ton of points on offense, but they're also going to let up a ton of points as well. And in, in our in our circle, the Oakland D is still pretty damn sad. Um, Every next possession, whoever Xavier Rhodes is not guarding, you're happy with. He's yeah. he's the X factor for Minnesota. He's the guy that shut the people down. A <laughs> um, couple players, so the low end QB ones. Tight end ones, RB2s, and wide receiver twos. These guys have very favorable matchups. We're going to talk to you about them right now. The first player we're going to talk about, and this week, Sean, you mentioned that if you go against this team, it's just fancy point after fancy point. Jeremy Hill, who's probably going to be my point pounder for the week. He's got the Browns this week. No Gio Bernard. That means an increased passing work and goal line touches. We've seen him have probably double his his um his catch count the past few weeks he's he hasn't been the numbers aren't great from a yards per carry standpoint but again he's getting those touchdowns he's getting close to 20 25 touches a game and i expect him to get a ton of touches against the browns this week what, what's your take on him yeah I, I obviously anybody playing the browns Sleeper guy worth you know giving a look at it if you're desperate. Rex Burkhead is their natural number two, and even plays some full series as well. So he's someone to keep an eye on. Uh, I'd imagine even in 14 team leagues, he's he's pretty available uh, unless you know you have Jeremy Hill and you went with the handcuff after Bernard went out. 
he, so he that could be another guy kind of worth kicking the tires on if if you really need a, a spot start or a scratch start. Hearing some rumblings with Christian Michael out of Green Bay. I don't know that I buy it. You hear this stuff, and then the, the, the starter usually comes back and, and takes the reins back. So some of it could be a little bit of grandstanding. There's been a little bit of movement free agent-wise here and there. Nothing you know worth kicking up too much of a fuss about. But, um, yeah, I think what you've got to watch now is you know a guy maybe being injured and, and a, a natural guy you know coming in. So you look at you know, a team like San Francisco – Carlos Hyde's been usually dinged up. Any of those guys or somebody maybe willing to be shut down, who's that next person to step in? You've got to be out in front of these maybe a week in advance because otherwise you get into a bidding war. Well, I think we, we've seen two of those guys, and that's in Dontrell Emmon and Tyrell Williams. Both guys have stepped up this year with injuries to Travis Benjamin, obviously to Keenan Allen, to Danny Woodhead, Antonio Gates being a non-factor. So Inman and Tyrell Williams have both stepped up, and they have a great great schedule. Week 14 at the Panthers, week 15 at the Raiders, and then week 16 at the Browns. Uh, granted, it could be some inclement weather in week 16 in Cleveland. Never a beautiful time in Cleveland, um, week 16. But that could then turn into a Melvin Gordon game. So I, I actually expect a lot from the San Diego team. The problem with Inman and Tyrell Williams you kind of have to pick who who's it going to be each week. I, I feel like one week it's yeah. Inman, one week it's Williams. So it's really high boomer bust potential with those two. You got to make sure you get the right guy, and that is not always the easiest thing to do. But Philip Rivers generally puts up big stats, and I think he'll do that over the stretch run here in the playoffs. Mike Gillisley is another guy you probably want to have. It's not yeah, like Gillis- McCoy doesn't get dinged up, injured. He's one of those guys, McCoy gets injured this week. All of a sudden, guess who you have going into week 15 against the Browns? Yeah, yeah I mean, Gillisley looked fast last week. I, that bastard, I went against him. He scored two touchdowns against me. Uh, that, that running back that running back crew is just, you know, I, it's what I expected them to be last year when before Shady McCoy got hurt and when they coupled with Carlos Williams. I didn't expect Carlos Williams to be as good as he well, One is. thing to watch. Kubiak got Justin Forsett. That was the yeah. the the one thing. I, it, he's slow. He's awful, but he knows the <laughs> offense. And there is something to be said from Kubiak's system. It hides some of the speed things or or challenges or issues. So he could be a sneaky guy because all of the running backs are dropping like flies. Bibbs now, who showed a real spark, high ankle sprain. You can't count on him the next three weeks. So just punt him, drop him off. You don't need him. He's not rosterable at this point. Yeah, Bibbs is actually on the IR, so he's done for oh, the they, season. Oh, they went ahead and did that? Yeah. Okay. And they're talking about C.J. Anderson maybe coming back. I, I don't think I, I think that to. he's coming back week 17, though. I, I don't okay. even know that he can he can come back in the fantasy yeah. season. I just think that uh, getting a running back this late is generally never works out. I've never seen it happen where it, it worked out to the fantasy. Jerome Harrison would like a word with you. That's a good point. Jerome Harrison. Yeah, that's right. He had that one leagues. There was somebody last year that won leagues, too. Uh, Thomas Rawls. Um, no, Rawls, Rawls is doing it all year. But no, but I'm talking about a new, uh, a fresh face to the team. I'm not saying a guy who just kind of stepped up. A, a player that was on the scrap heap and then got signed in week 14. I can't remember a player having a dominant performance down the stretch if the guy's been on the practice squad or he's been in the offense he's just been on the third string or second string i've seen that happen before but you never see a guy come off the street and and just absolutely dominate 
a few reasons why I think because it takes a while to get involved in the offense. I understand that Forsett they're on the street offense. for a reason. Exactly, that's the main reason. There's if he's not on one of the thirty-two teams, there's there's a reason for it. So uh, I, I like I like where you're going with Forsett. I would not recommend picking him up because I just think it's a waste. And the only benefit he has is as a a handcuff to Devontae Booker, and and even that I'm not sure what he's worth. A uh, couple players who. I think they're really going to struggle, and we want to talk about them real quick because they were either drafted early or have been a stalwart in your starting lineup over the past few weeks. First player we'll briefly touch on just because we talked about his quarterback, but Randall Cobb, if you haven't moved on from him yet, you know his inconsistencies, uh, one week he'll have six catches for 70 yards, and the next week he'll have two catches and he might find the end zone. It's hit or miss with Randall Cobb. Again, we mentioned he's got the Seahawks and then the Vikings. I really do not like Randall Cobb. He's been a wide receiver three over the past few weeks. I think he's a wide receiver four moving forward in the playoffs. Sean, I know you have him in a few leagues, so what's your take on Randall Cobb in this fantasy? You, it's just hope and a prayer. That's that's all it is. You just hope, you hope he gets in the end zone for a touchdown. What I will say is he's done a good job this year as if he's had control of her. He's done a good job when he has scored. Those have been the three for 32 games. And when he's not scored, he's nine for 91. So if you've got a saving grace as a Cobb owner, you've had a few of those games that have helped relieve some of the pressure versus what you have sometimes with a T.Y. Hilton, where he'll have a two or three for 31, mm-hmm. and then he'll sprinkle in a 17 for 194 <laughs> and two touchdowns. Like, let's let's parse, parcel some of this out a little bit better. But um, that's the one saving grace is the end zone. The other thing is, is, and I keep coming back to this, they don't have a running game. So if you've got a PPR – I feel comfortable. You you know you could get four to five catches a game from Randall Cobb. Uh, so I don't think you have to go overboard. I don't think he's a wide receiver four, but I, I can understand where Luke's coming from with that. But you know at this point, do you have a lot of better options than Cobb? Then I think you entertain it. But if you don't, I mean I got Cobb, Michael Floyd, Shepard, and um, and Boyd. I, I mean I'm just piecemealing it in one of the leagues. Um, sure. So you just. You pick a couple of them, and then you just kind of cross your fingers and hope you can get 10 to 15 points. Another receiver and actually quarterback, too, that's just been arguably fantasy MVPs this year is Rashard Matthews and Marcus Mariota. Rashard Matthews has been probably the most consistently good wide receiver since week six. He or week five. He's either scored a touchdown or had nine catches for 122 yards. He's been a saving grace on a couple of my teams. But this week he draws the Broncos and then the Jags in week 16. And I, I really, again, that Broncos matchup just scares the crap out of me. It's Rashard Matthews is playing as a, as a high-end wide receiver too. I don't like him. I'm benching him for the likes of Malcolm Mitchell, I think, this week. What say you on that one, Shawnee boy? Oh, I, I agree. I, I don't like that matchup. I think between Tlaib, Al Harris, just kind of Denver's overall scheme as far as pass rushing. I think Tennessee wants to win that. They're they're going to have to Demarco and and Derrick Henry. That that that's the formula. A little bit of Delaney Walker from a tight end perspective. That's the winning formula. Is 
inside the tackles versus outside of them. Sure. So what's Mariota? What what do you think he looks like against the the tough Broncos? Uh, team? I mean, the quirky gonna- thing with Mariota is you got to do the whole inside the tackles and running game twenty to twenty. If you've got a, a glimmer of hope with Mariota, um, it, it's inside the twenty. They've got some packages and things like that, and he can kind of get something with his feet. I don't like him addressing the rush making a read versus, you know, a very opportunistic secondary, that would be a concern. And it could be a particularly ugly game. I, I don't know that there's that much of a difference between the Denver Jaguars game and the Denver Titans game this weekend. That would be the scare. Mm. Not a lot of output in that game. Expect not much of an output this Sunday. I, I just think that the one – the one saving grace from Mariota is his legs. I don't think he's going to be very successful throwing the ball. And that Denver defense, they're going to pin their ears back. They're going to get after the passer. That pass rush is nasty. I think that actually benefits Mariota because he's able to get away from the pass rush and he could pick up some great chunk yardage once he gets into the open field. So I wouldn't be shocked if Mariota hit around like 60, 70 rushing yards and, and found the end zone once or twice on the ground. But still, that it's really tough to bank on the playoffs on Mariota's legs versus his arm when that's your starting quarterback. To go back to our conversation about who would you rather go with, would you rather go with Derek Carr or Mariota this week? Uh, <laughs> I like Carr. Still, still I don't want what you know. Okay, like go, either, go but I like uh, it's it's an anguished car just because I think Kansas City is going to put up points and it, car. You have the chance to get cheap points. So, of course, obviously, all the guys that will be in your starting lineup this week are not necessarily on your roster right now. There's a bunch of targets that we want to make sure that you look at in order to get the leg up on the competition. And we sent out a poll at Glory Podcast on Twitter, and we got a ton of responses. I want to thank everybody who retweeted that. Most More likely, I want to thank uh, Jay Myers and the rest of the Dynasty Football Warehouse crew for sending that out to the masses, as well as all of our fans over in Serbia who voted on this. Uh, but the far and away winner of the biggest waiver wire target or sleeper Moving into week 14 and 16 was tight end Ladarius Green, who currently is only owned in 23% of fantasy f- of Yahoo leagues. He's finally ready to be that featured tight end that we've been waiting for ever since he, he dominated the first four games with Antonio Gates out last year for PEDs. You know, there is that retirement talk, the headaches, the ankle surgery, and that's the reason why he's on your waiver wire and wasn't drafted in the sixth or seventh round where he should have been. Um, but he went for six for 110 and a touchdown his first game as a pit featured tight end. So I like him as a mid-range tight end one the rest of the way. I'm talking like top six, maybe six or seven. I think he's that big target that Roethlisberger and the Steelers have been missing in the passing game. I like him a lot moving forward, and I agree with the rest of the listeners. What do you think? Who do you think is uh, – do you think, number one, Ladarius Green is uh, a player Yeah, he was, he was my vote. I, I think he's a 5-6 catch. Basically take Keith Miller, replace him in kind of his heyday with Ladarius Green. Roethlisberger safety valve, big target. Roethlisberger's a big guy, likes throwing to those, to those types of guys uh, as safety valves. Perfect match. 
Actually, he's someone that in uh, one league got on him last week. If you're trying to get on him this week, you are going to have to bid um, if you're in one of those. Or hopefully you got an early waiver wire position because otherwise you're not going to get him because people are jumping at him. When Gronk went out, you should have been on him. As a player, you should have almost been on him. If you had Gates and you saw some of with Henry back and just reading the tea leaves there, if you haven't done that, you may have wished, missed your window, but jump at it now, uh, ASAP. I think you look at, at Green. Again, I come back to Cameron Brait. He's probably he's already on most rosters, but he should be someone you should be given a, a, a keen eye to. And then monitoring this Jordan Reed thing, Vernon Davis didn't have a ton of targets, got a couple late in the game against Arizona. I expect them to be a lot more um, play-action oriented, uh, not get as behind as they did early on. I like Vernon Davis, if Reed is out again, he's not practicing, struggling to lift his arm. If you had, if you had Jordan Reed, you should have Vernon Davis already. He's he, he's the perfect spot start. I think his production goes up the next couple weeks. And another player on his team that was the second highest voted player in the poll is Pierre Garcon, who's quietly put together yet another solid wide receiver three season, especially in PPR leagues. He's continued to be, along with Vernon Davis, one of the go-to guys for Kirk Cousin running those intermediate routes. And he's on pace for a very quiet 79-9 for 52 and three receiving stat line. He's got a great matchup against Carolina this week. And I like him to perform as maybe a low-end wide receiver, too. I'm starting him in a few leagues, including our league, Sean. I think that he's just going to continue to be solid, not spectacular, but solid, which is really all you need from your wide receiver three. And he's got that upside to break off a long run. Um, I like Garcon this week. And, and the final player that was in our vote that got the least amount of votes, and I'm not surprised by this, is Trevor Simeon. I threw him in there as a bit of a wild card just because I believe Denver is doing everything they can in order to get him back on the field with that sprained foot. Uh, but they have Tennessee this week, and then next week they have Kansas City at Kansas City. Tough matchup. Last time they played, though, he had 368 yards passing with three touchdowns. Should be interesting to see if he can duplicate that effort uh, at Arrowhead. We had a couple other players. Uh, another option that we sent out was, if you don't like any of these players, give us your biggest sleepers for week 14 through 16. Our good friend at Nick and Akron said Charles Sims. He could be back. He's been practicing. Uh, if, if the Bucks decide to bring him off the IR, he'd be a welcome addition to that Tampa Bay backfield as they go against New Orleans twice and Dallas. And then Malcolm Mitchell, who's mentioned by a few teams. And we mentioned, we talked about with Tom Brady that the Patriots have the Baltimore Ravens this week and the Denver Broncos next week. Personally, I've loved what I've seen from Malcolm Mitchell as a Patriots fan. I'm not sure I like him so much moving forward in the playoffs just because those two secondaries can really clamp down on receivers. And being an inexperienced rookie receiver, he could really struggle. And the final player uh, was was suggested by our good friend, Russ Phillips III. He tweeted, hashtag, no pressure, no diamonds. So, Sean, obviously that's referring to RG3. Do you think RG3 has any shot of helping fantasy football teams in weeks 14 through 16? No. <laughs> and we'll end it there. Uh, before we get that fiddled, was like a con- congressional question, and I, I didn't want to say anything other than just the basic tenets of a response. That's all you. That's all you really need. It was more of a facetious question, uh, but I really do think that that Rue thinks that uh, that 
Trevor Simeon's going to be a QB1. Or I'm sorry, RG3 will be a QB1 moving forward because of his Browns boner. Rude so we, got, we have some listener questions. Uh, again, send us in questions at Twitter at Glory Podcast on Facebook or via email negpodcast at gmail.com, and we will send you one of those beautiful T-shirts that Sean mentioned. I have the first batch going out tomorrow. Thank you, everybody, for your patience. We had a snowstorm up here in New Hampshire, so it was kind of hard to uh, get on the road the other day. But the first question, Mike and Independence ask us, asks us, do you start Seattle D on the road against Green Bay or Detroit D at home versus Chicago? Sean, I'll let you go with this one. Detroit D. Uh, yeah, this is – I understand kind of the question or the angle. Rodgers has actually been pretty decent against um, the, the Seattle defense historically. I, I – to me, it's a no-brainer. You can't allow Matt Barclay to scare you. You got to take Detroit Lions D, and they played really well against the Saints. Actually, they did. Detroit D's been—they've been shutting people down over the past few weeks. I got them in our dynasty league, and they've been uh, a blessing instead of the Rams, who've had a tough schedule the past week. The past few weeks, uh, I agree. And also to Seattle on the road, they're, they're just not the same team as they are at home. And that, that Earl Thomas loss is huge. That defense is really going to suffer without, or not suffer, but they're really going to miss him. And that was a scary injury, broken bone. Uh, hopefully that's not career ending. He tweeted out that he's thinking about retirement, but I think that was more part of the shock. Uh, Steven Boston tells us he's got Jeremy Hill at Cleveland or Stefan Diggs at Jacksonville at the flex in the PPR league. So obviously we both love Jeremy Hill. He's my point pounder this week against Cleveland, but Stefan Diggs in the PPR league at Jacksonville. Uh, do you think that they're just going to stick Jalen Ramsey on him and call it a day making uh, Stefan Diggs pretty much useless? Or do you think he's going to be able to break off and have one of his normal Stefan Diggs 10 catches for 98 yards in a touchdown game? I think what they do with Diggs does they move him around so much. He's going to get numbers. I just I think Hill's got the higher upside. He's the better start. I think he's the natural play here. But it's a, it's it's a fair question from Steve. Sure. So that's all we got for tonight. Um, hopefully next week Jerry will be back uh, after being off da- baby duty and, and chasing chaining poopy diapers and cleaning up vomit off his chest. Uh, we do wish him the best of luck over the next few weeks because from everything we hear, childhood or child, childhood, Jesus Christ, being a, a parent can be challenging over the first few weeks, and uh, maybe they'll well, find. Apparently, out that talking is challenging as well. <laughs> I'm really struggling with that. It's been a long episode. Um, you got anything else to, to to let the people know before we sign off and get ready for Week 14 of the fantasy football season? No. Another poignant moment from the league, from the Ville. All right. Well, Sean, good luck this week. I'm hoping that uh, – I'm actually looking forward to the – We Zustin can meet in the Bowl. finals. How about that? I like that. I like we that a lot. We can meet in the finals. And we'll definitely let you know how the, the game – we'll let all the listeners know how the game goes between you and your brother in the league from the Ville. I'm sure it should be an exciting one with uh, a lot of verbal assault going back and forth. So I want to wish everybody good luck. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Glory Podcast, on Facebook, Never Ending Glory Podcast. Search for us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Subscribe, listen, tell all your friends. Enjoy it. Send us emails, negpodcast at gmail.com. And drink that Buckeye vodka. Don't forget to drink local. Shout out again to Haley from Buckeye Vodka for hooking us up. Pop, pop, wish, every, wish everybody, wish everybody good luck this week. And of course, if you have any questions on Sunday, but who you want to start, be sure to hit us up, and we'll we'll definitely get back to you as soon as possible on Twitter. So, good luck. Talk soon, Sean. That's right. <laughs>